it's been one whole year. What have you learned so far? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. I've learned that Megatron can fly. No, he can't. Yes, he can. What else, Pat? Well, I've learned that it's pronounced Chudley instead of Cooley. That doesn't have anything to do with Transformers, really. I learned Jason can move around all of your stuff very quickly when you're not here, Delvin. <laughs> uh, Pat, none of this has anything to do with Transformers. Uh, what have you learned about Transformers, the comic that this is all about? It's been a whole year. You must have learned something. Um, well, Huffer, he kind of sucks. Close enough. We close out year one in style on Transformers Chronicles. The Marvel Years. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. It's been a year, y'all. Can you believe it? Woo. Thanks for coming along with us, everybody. We really appreciate it. In case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. But I won't be going at it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions. First up, a man who, despite his lifelong love of comics, never encountered Marvel's Transformers before now. So he wants to see what all of us is about with these robots in disguise. Let's introduce the founder of the Long Boss Crusade, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christados. What's going on, Pat? Woo-woo. Oh, not much, you know. I can't believe it. We've been 12 episodes in. Wow. My life, I've, I've been totally transformed. I'm totally transformed by the Transformers. I've read 12 comics of them. Yes. You know, I, I've listened to all of John's Rod Pod, so I'm really interested into that side of it now. So, I, you know, I'm transforming into a Transformer right now. That, 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 look, that looks a little painful. I think he turned <laughs> into a pipe again. <laughs> With growing comes a little bit of pain, so it's it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you're learning. You are accepting that you transform into a pipe. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to keep going. Next up, we have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of Mary with comics. Hi, Maggie, the provider of knowledge. Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. Happy anniversary to you, John. And happy anniversary to you too, Delvin. When I write Go the ahead. date down, I have to make sure I keep it separate from a different anniversary date. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to be getting the wrong presents for the wrong people and hear about it for a while. You know what, though? I bet Maggie wouldn't be too upset if you got her some nice Transformer. Yeah, I would think that so. is probably true. What's her favorite? I forgot. Pipes. No, not pipes. I'm sorry. Uh, tailgate from. Is there a transformer called pipes? Yes. He uses Huffer's uh, mold, <laughs> actually. Oh, okay. Yep. He's like Huffer. Except Someone's not. got a sense of humor. Oh, I thought maybe he's just, he turned into a pipe. Oh, shoot. No, that's your gate. Ah, your, yes. your patent is still safe on that. Cool. The only... cool. Anyway. Hello, Delvin. Hello, Pat. Hello. Hey there. It's been a whole year. I've, well, it's been 12 year. issues. That's a, that's a lot. That's longer than I do most things. So, <laughs> no. And in uh, this one actually gets to kind of wrap up a, a story arc that's been going back since at least five. So that'll be fun. But before yeah. that, 
we can't not forget about you, Delvin. Has your life transformed in any way since we spoke last? I was thinking about that, and I was reminded of a lyric from uh, Pearl Jam's elderly woman behind a counter in a small town. I changed by not changing at all. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I seem to recognize yeah, your face. So I, I can't complain about that because in this case, normal is pretty good. And over the course of this year, it actually has been cool seeing us form as a team, you know, our own little combiner uh, robot into this podcast. And, and we've turned out to, to do something pretty good. And that's cool, too. Mm-hmm. Three of us will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one, moving on to stuff like issue 12, and working our way to the series end at issue 80. Pat will be encountering these comics for the first time, and we will answer any questions he has to the best of our ability and seeing how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guess it, more than meets the eye. So let's do this thing. Let's talk about some Transformers for the 12th time, which we are about to do right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. Monthly, monthly, monthly. It's Action Film Face Off. Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action Film Face Off! Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris. Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet. But it could happen, because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it! We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our video dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. <laughs> but we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. <laughs> Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade. Or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face-Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers Issue 12. And here is John, the cover description. All right. Thanks, Dubbin. 
We'll start with the United States version of the cover by Herb Trimpey. Optimus Prime is in his usual place in the corner box, and he's also front and center on the cover itself, firing his laser with his right hand down into stage right, scattering Sideswipe, Ironhide, and Prowl, all of whom are in really weird poses. The Transformers logo is white with yellow trim this time around, and the background is kind of grayish purple. Across the pond, the UK folks read the story in Transformers UK issues 39 and 40, which were published on the 7th and 14th of December 1985. Issue 39 is a reuse of US issue number 12 with the same caption, which is Optimus Prime Autobot Killer. Uh, The cover of Transformers UK number 40 shows Optimus Prime and Shockwave locked in hand-to-hand combat. Prime on stage right, Shockwave on stage left. Prime is grabbing the end of Shockwave's gun as it fires with no effect with his right hand, and he punches Shockwave in the face with his left. And I definitely made that cover sound way better than it actually is. It's, (laughs) it's, It's not a very good cover. Well, Pat, we'll start with you. What did you think of it? This is the first time I've seen this cover. I haven't seen this cover before. So uh, very interesting to see Prime together in one piece again (laughs) uh, as he's blasting away at the other three Autobots below. Um, You know, the background isn't really much, but I think it's probably done that way. So so your eye goes right to Prime, um, you know, not to have other distraction going on. So you just see him being the Autobot killer. Very well drawn. So I, I like it. Decent cover. How about you, Devin? I am always of that mindset of if I saw this in the grocery store on the comic book rack, mm-hmm. would it catch my eye? The answer to the question for this cover is absolutely yes. For a couple of reasons. If I'm a Transformers fan alone and I see Optimus Prime blasting away at Autobots, I would be like, whoa, what the heck's going on? This might be something I want to check out. This is kind of interesting. Of course, Optimus Prime Autobot Killer. Wait, no, wait, no, he's not. What, what the heck's going on? This is it intrigued me, and so I like the cover a, a good deal. It caught my eye, and I enjoyed it. What do you think, John? Well, it's hard for me to form an opinion on this one. It's very structurally well done, or all the robots are bunched together. I think the fact that they're all colored red, they're all red, white, yeah. and blue, it seems kind of hard to tell some in a couple of places where one of them ends and the other one begins. And the way that they're all reacting, and assuming, it doesn't look like they're reacting to the blast of the laser. It's like they were posed. Somebody said to them, now, all right, flail. And then they would <laughs> do that. I don't hate it. It's the most iconic cover that I don't like all that much, I guess. Well, I, I don't know. I saw Herb Trim, Trimpy. Trimp or Trimpy? I think it's Trimpy. I, I, I saw know. that name and was like, oh, cool. That's a recognizable name. So that, that kind of made me happy. I didn't mind the lack of background. At least the characters are well drawn. That is mm-hmm. clearly Prowl. Even though you can't see his face, that is clearly Ironhide. So all four characters on the, the cover were relatively accurate and that hasn't always been the case and so for me there's a decent amount to like about it Mm -hmm. and since i took an extra turn pat did you want to say something else nope well said for anyone who hasn't listened to the show shame on you 
I'll describe it anyway because it's, <laughs> it's been twelve <laughs> issues. It's been man, 12, I right? I mean, we've had twelve this a whole year. You, you have no excuses. This would Back be a home. weird one to start with. It would be an interesting one because like, we're gonna we're gonna have to get in pretty deep. This is the denouement yes. or the end, as, as they say in French, Pat. Oh, okay. Um, Thank you. Uh, I was wondering. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, this would be an interesting one to start on. But if you do start on it, again, welcome. And we write things here on Transformers Chronicles on a scale of one to ten, just like the tech specs on the original toys. One being the lowest, ten being the highest. But without needing a red plastic rectangle, because that's how we roll around here. Let's see, John. What are you going to rate it? <sighs> I never thought this one would be so hard to rate. I'm going to give it a seven. I've decided that. It's pretty, and I like it. It's, <laughs> it's not as great as some of them we've seen, but it's nowhere near as bad as a bunch of them we've seen. So, I'm, And I think it is in the higher tier of some of them, so it's a seven. How about you, Pat? I'm going to agree with you, too. I, I'll put this at a seven. How can you go wrong with that figure of, of Prime just kind of standing there all heroic and kind of shooting down at people? So, Yeah. How about you, Devin? I am one step more optimistic than you two on this one. I'm settling at an eight. I, I like it. Our Big Ten cover, of course, is a shockwave. It's not as iconic as that, but it did immediately catch my attention. And that plus her trimpy, it is a good to very good cover, and I will give it an eight. Here is Pat with the credits for the issue. Well, thank you, Delvin. Transformers number 12 was published by Marvel, got a cover date of January 1986, but its on-sale date was October 15th, 1985. Cover price is 75 cents. Page count was just 32 pages. Editor is Mike Carlin. Writer is Bob Budiansky. Penciler is Herb Trimpey. And inker is Al Gordon. Letterer is Janice Chang. Colorist is Nelson... Yamtav. And that's all thanks to Mike's Amazing World and tfwiki.info. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the Transformers. Transformers, more than meets the eye. Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticon. Transformers, robots in disguise. The Transformers from Marvel Comics. Buster is flying high, literally, as he's flying in, in Jetfire back to ambush Shockwave and the Decepticons back to Tony's GB Blackrock's aerospace facility. The U.S. Armed Force once again proves to be a foil to anything the Autobots want to do as they attack Jetfire and his auto-programming engages, resulting in Buster being knocked unconscious and the Air Force jets being knocked out of the air. Jetfire returns back to the makeshift Decepticon base. Shockwave, after a funny rumble interlude, gets back to business using Soundwave to manipulate the telephonic device the Autobots were using to spy on them. Shockwave is going to take Optimus's head and dump it in a nearby swamp. Naturally, the Autobots go there. Jetfly flies over the swamp and drops the head off. The Autobots go fishing to get it, and once it's mounted on Prime's head, he shows his gratitude by giving them a laser rifle ambush. 
With the Decepticons popping out of nowhere, Shockwave got the Autobots with the old switcheroo of the head, which happens a lot in human comedy. Um, Buster is strapped down. Shockwave is about to pry the creation matrix from him, and Jetfire is about to take the real Optimus head wherever they buried Alpha. Buster makes a last-ditch effort to use the Matrix to manipulate Jetfire to knocking the bejesus out of Shockwave. Then, telling Jetfire to drop the real head off to where he dropped the fake head. Good thing, because Autobots are taking a beating. Once the real head gets to the real body, Optimus Prime puts a real hurting on all the Decepticons, including a later arriving Shockwave, who ends up getting swamped for his troubles. Optimus, instead of blasting Shockwave, hurries back to save Buster from getting lobotomized. But the factory workers already did the deed saving Buster. After a swap back of the creation matrix to his rightful owner, that would be Prime, all is well in the world. For now. Let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comics, starting with, but not limited to, goods and bads, and then everyone discusses. So we're going to start with me. <laughs> I'm going to just talk about the book overall. It was a very satisfying conclusion. Bob did a very good job of taking the story and wrapping everything up in a pretty neat bow, but not so much that everything just seemed absolutely convenient, but they did a, a pretty good job of having everything uh, nice and neat at the end of this uh, issue. I thought it was gratifying. Gents? I agree with that. Yeah. I thought, like you said, it all kind of came together. Um, the story after, what, since issue five or so that this has yeah. been going on? I, I liked it. What I really liked about it, one of my highs, is we got to see kind of Buster grow up a little bit. Sure, I know we kind of would jab on him earlier on. <laughs> we, but... what, we, you mean you. Well, you know, I say, you know, I know we would kind of jab on him earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember we got called on that. <laughs> yeah, we we did. But rightfully so, you know, I I didn't know where Buster was going to be or how, how how this was going to turn out. So, you know, I can see his character progress, at least in my eyes, in reading this. So that's a big high. I liked it. Yeah, Buster did have a decent amount of growth, and I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Buster really does come into his own. I agree with the overarching things you guys were saying. This is a great way to end the story arc. I didn't have this one when I was collecting them growing up, and it was fairly satisfying story to read after that point. You know what? I didn't have this originally either. I, I don't know at what point the single issue wound up in my collection, but I originally read this book. Uh, they used to have a little booklet-sized Transformer Digest. Yeah, it had like two issues in it. And I think maybe, is it 11 and 12 or 12 and 13? It's 11 and 12. I've got that one. Actually bought it from Michael Bailey on eBay. Okay. Yeah, I remember uh, that splash page of Prowl. And I remember that picture because it just looked like the Autobots, they were just taking it. John, we never really got to you. Do you have any uh, high lows or whatever? I have a couple of lows and a couple of weirds about it. I don't want it to sound like I'm overly ragging on this thing because I do like this one overall, but there is a couple of things that are impossible to ignore on this. When we talk about things that look like rush jobs, I think this one definitely qualifies, especially at the end when it comes to absolutely no backgrounds. And then also with what they do with the coloring, like in that very uh, splash page that you're talking about, 
all of the other uh, Transformers on it are colored red again. Mm -hmm. And the only one that has any color is is Prowl, which is a shame. It's a really well-drawn panel. but And it's contrasted so much by the smaller panel underneath it where you see Optimus Prime's head filling it on the right and Jetfire flying away with, with a background. You know, a rather well done, just a, a sky scene and some trees, and it really makes it jarringly offset on that. Luckily, Herb Trimpey's art is usually enough to... Yeah, I think he put, he put a lot of detail into the characters mm-hmm. in each and every panel. Definitely. Let me offer one one challenge to that splash page. I think that coloring job, now, I, I can't say anything about lack of background, but I think the coloring was on purpose, meaning that it made everything just look bleak and stark from Prowl's point of view. He's just failed. He, his job and his personality is to take things cautiously and not move until he has made the right decision. And he did that all the way until he rushed headlong into a trap, didn't think about it one second, and this is the result of it. He's sitting there with one arm, limply shooting at the Decepticons, and he is about to lose badly. I think that's kind of what it was highlighting. Yeah, it's kind of like the a last stand effort for of him trying mm-hmm. to... Okay, I can see that. It's a great panel regardless. It was pretty cool, that ambush that Optimus had on the Decepticons, starting with him just clocking the sound wave, where that was a long time coming. You know he had been sitting there completely helpless from being able to do anything. So that that punch had to feel amazing if you're Optimus Prime. We've, We've certainly given him crap, but when they give him his moments, this was a great moment for Optimus Prime, and he just whooped wholesale behind and it was a wonder to behold. I thought it was really cool. I mean, Optimus Prime had a great ending, taking out the Decepticon contingency and then taking out uh, Shockwave as well, who up until this point has been just dominant mm-hmm. across the Transformers world. He did a good job of taking out Shockwave too, so Optimus Prime had a day. He really did. Yeah, we we haven't really and don't get to see a performance like this with Optimus Prime outside of the 1986 movie. One shall stand, one shall fall. Why throw away your life so recklessly? That's a question you should ask yourself, Megatron. Kind of had two tales of deception kind of going on. You had Shockwave with his deception of having the other Autobots think that, oh, he's on our side and, and he's back again. Uh, but you also mm-hmm. had the deception of what Buster was going to do as well, too. Then just Buster taking total control of, of what's going on with Shockwave and all that. That was pretty good, too. I like that. Absolutely. And what's what I like, though, is that um, Shockwave's uh, miscalculation on Optimus Prime, that is the first mistake we have seen him make so far. Every single thing that he has done in the comic up to this point has worked. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that he would underestimate him because he hasn't really seen him do anything except be ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, he showed yeah. up, blasted him, and he's, I mean, he's beat up Megatron. He's got a giant new jet going. Everything's coming up. Shockwave. Oh, I'm in the tar. I like also how it showed how 
angry he got when he said he's 100% certain of where he went because everything usually is just a small <laughs> error. Now, this, no, I'm 100% sure where that SOB went. <laughs> now, that was Shockwave being mad. He was mad. Yeah, Maggie refers to it as the I just got my powers back boost. Like yeah. any time in a, in a comic book when someone's been depowered or in this case debodied, Optimus gets its head on and his his stats get all bumped up to 11 for a little while. And he just takes out <laughs> yeah. every freaking trans, every Decepticon that he fights and his, his headless body took out half the Autobots so they don't have to draw as many. <laughs> Hi, hello? Well, you know, I got some questions. Sure. So That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Jetfire, is, does he still show up more in the books? Is is he his own being now, or what? You will see Jetfire again very okay. soon. That was my question, is to see, well, yeah. when does he kind of come back over again? And the other question is, of course, is they even said it in the comics, you know, well, Shockwave will be back. <laughs> and, you know, just because Prime doesn't shoot him, why don't, why don't the others just sit there? And once Prime yeah. went away, they'll just go pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, it, it's... He came from the mud or the whatever. Now he's back. Right. Now he's back into. He does show up again, and they don't really establish how he gets out. I want to answer the question about Jetfire. This is without even remembering what comes next with him. If you remember, Jetfire is moving, but he's still inanimate. It is up to Buster, who had Creation Matrix. Buster could have brought him to life, and he didn't. Shockwave wanted to bring him to life along with the other hundreds of Decepticon planes that the humans built, mm-hmm. but he didn't get a chance to. Now that the Matrix is back under Optimus Prime's command, it's possible that he could use that Matrix and then transform that fire into an Optimus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that kind of dovetails into the weird wonkiness that goes into this. I have notes on this. It was so important. Oh. I wrote this down. Hang on. I mean, I'm just going to jump right into this. It's like, sure is fun flying Jetfire after I reprogrammed him with my robot brain, said Buster. Oh, no, Jets. Jetfire's taking evasive action because Shockwave must have programmed him to. All right, stop. You took him completely apart and then put him back together. Why is any of Shockwave's programming still there? What Apparently, Buster reprograms Jetfire to obey him, but not uh, don't um, fly really fast so I black out. You know, Jetfire did that on his own. I'm I'm somewhat with you and somewhat not. Because what you what you're saying makes sense, but what Buster didn't account for, even in the rewiring, is what to do if he were attacked on the way back to the base. That is conceivably something he never even thought to reprogram. Oh, so you're saying he picked and choosed with the reprogramming or or possibly yeah. maybe that's just like a the equivalent of a reflex. It's a spinal uh, cord passageway, so he didn't like get into that while he was doing the moving, like the autonomic movement and that sort of stuff. See, yeah, we, we I'm, fixed I'm saying, it. I'm saying it's possible that Buster was inexperienced enough that he did what he thought was a thorough mind wipe programming, and he lost some steps along the way to include some automatic functions. Uh, from jet fire to like do his evasive maneuvers. I'll buy that, but I wish no, it would have been clearer no, with the text then. I agree with you there, John. Um, it, and it is still a little strange 
I mean, I talked about this on the episode where you weren't there about how these are beings that you can apparently flip their lever from good to evil. Shockwave was going to program him to be a Decepticon, and now he's presumably going to get programmed to be an Autobot, which is a bizarre thing to think about. But, you know, kid story. So let's not think about it too hard. Pat, do you have any other questions that we can answer for you? No, I think that's that's it for right now. You know, I've just been... In reading this one, like you, we said in the beginning, this is just kind of the the culmination or the that French word you mentioned, denouement, denouement, the denouement, the denouement. You know, I thought, uh, I thought that's how it was pronounced for years because I learned it by reading it. Uh, that's one that's of those words. They, that's how they pronounce in Alabama. I got that denouement. That's that part at the end, right after the epilogue, synonymous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Alabama, people. It's okay. Don't, don't don't write angry letters from the library. I want to discuss one thing. I do think that the Rumble interludes were funny. Rumble mm-hmm. sweats. Yes, like yeah. we, he did. He did that, and, and it's one thing that you could have been like, "Wait a minute, robots don't sweat." And for Shockwave to then say that he needs to go get himself checked because he's leaking lubricant. That, That's I know it was pretty great. <laughs> That was a funny moment. And then even towards the end where since everything had already gone sideways and as soon as the humans saw that Shockwave was out of commission, they're like, oh, we we can take this one. <laughs> <laughs> and Rumble's like, oh, my God, they're right. <laughs> Rumble had a bad day. He did. It was not. Oh, yes. He's never going to live this down. The rest of the Decepticons are going to be teasing him about. Well, actually, I think he might be the only one left. Optimus might have blown all the rest of them up at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So, gents, have we covered the book? I believe we have. Yeah, I think so. Pretty decent book. Now's the time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, Decepticon, or Human. You got the touch! You got the power! You go first. Let us know who had the touch. Okay. Well, I, I probably gave it away in what I said before, but I am going to give the touch to Buster. He kind of turned the tide uh, to Optimus' side there and uh, was able to kind of take, just being a human with some extra power, kind of take some Decepticons down and turn that tide there. Yeah. And for better or for worse, Buster has come across as an ally absolutely to the Autobots, so much so that Optimus Prime realized the responsibility that he put upon this kid and felt so bad about it, he had an opportunity to completely dismantle Shockwave mm-hmm. and yeah. ran. Didn't even transform. He ran back to the facility to go and find Buster to see if he's okay. Yep. John, who had to touch, man? Optimus Prime for a whole bunch of reasons that we've already said before. I mean, if it isn't Buster, it's Optimus Prime. He took out everyone, every Decepticon he fought, he took out. And half of the Autobots that he wasn't even trying very hard them out to. He showed why he has his job. What do you think, Kevin? I'm going to give it to Optimus. Buster, Buster was right there. The reason why I'm giving it to Optimus is because I've been hard on uh, the bot and and I I like Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime is on the doggone screensaver of my phone. 
and probably not going anywhere anytime soon. I think the world of Optimus Prime and he, he needed a day and he had one. I was happy for Prime. He'd be my runner up. I'm proud of you actually, Pat. I'm proud that you've come around on Buster. You, <laughs> you were hard on him at first. But thank you. But I am just a broken machine and I do things that don't really mean. We talked about the touch, then someone had to be out of touch. We talked about that character that was the worst in the book, and they should be forced to fight with one arm mangled after leading your troops into a trap in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. John. Who's less than meets the eye for you? I'm going to give it to Rumble. <laughs> Rumble had a bad day. Rumble got beat up by a bunch of humans. <laughs> First, it was Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he thinks they can all do that. Maybe. Maybe. So- Don't put me! <laughs> Rumble didn't have the best day, that's for sure. That- yeah, I'm going to give it to Rumble, too. And like John said, I think everybody else was kind of on an even level in this one. Definitely Rumble. For me, I'm going to give it to Prowl. A few issues now. Prowl had an opportunity. They knew where Optimus Prime was being held. They had a telephonic device. They had the element of surprise. And Prowl's whole thing, wait. Let's wait. we got to wait till we have the best course of action. We need all the information possible. And then as soon as he's on his way to do the thing that he sought to do the most, he fell for. I wouldn't say an obvious diversion, but he fell for a diversion and nearly cost his team the entire thing. If, if Optimus Prime wouldn't have saved the day, Prowl would have lost that battle and pretty much every Autobot that was there on Earth would have died, except the except like Ratchet and the Dinobots. They would have probably had to save the day again. And Bumblebee and uh, Blue Streak are still way over where they were. And uh, Mirage is somehow missing in action. Mm, but other yes. than that, that's the only Autobot not accounted for. Most of the rest of mm. them were here. So, yeah, Prowl would have cost his team greatly if it were not for some, I would say, divine intervention, but let's say creation <laughs> matrix intervention. And, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Considering Prowl is a robotic sociopath over in the, the IDW Phase 2 comics, I'm used to having a... Prowl get the less than meets the eye or the equivalent <laughs> over there too. It's time for overall ratings for the book. We do one to ten, ten being the highest, one being lowest to describe how we feel about this issue. John, what's your rating for issue twelve? I will give issue twelve and eight. It's always one I think of. It's a nice ending of a lot of story arc. It has Optimus Prime finally cutting loose, probably to the greatest extent he does in this entire series. So Interesting. What do you think, Dov? I'm going to give it a nine. And it gets that nine because I thought it was a solid ending. Shockwave, he had some days, man. He had a good run. Mm-hmm. And they did the thing where... The villain was going to win, and it took just happenstance to completely upset the entire apple cart. And if it weren't for Buster doing what he did, Shockwave would have won. Satisfying conclusion for me. So I'm going to give it a nine. Pat, take it home. I am going to agree with you as well on the nine. I think, you know, like you said, it's the overall ending of this whole story. For ooh, six issues, Shockwave has been winning and winning and winning. To have that span for that many issues, 
you know, it's is kind of interesting as well, too. There's some more questions or some more intrigue going on that I'm interested in and how, what's the next phase for this story, um, how things are going to turn out. You know, we see at the end the, the blip of Megatron's going to be back now. He hasn't been seen since he fell into the snow. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's coming. And we'll talk about issue 13 in a little bit. I'll mention it right towards the end. Okay. Uh, but yeah. I think we're at the end of year one when it comes to Transformers, or I know we're at the end of year one. And, I, and I'm, it'll be interesting to see what the next 12 issues brings uh, when it comes to the story. Okay. And by the end of issue 24, It'll be a conclusive end to year two as well. I'll leave it at that. I like that because, you know, I, when I, in reading comics, story means a lot to me. And if it's a a story that kind of, you know, slow burn, things like that, where I got to start thinking about it and going, oh, yeah, I remember that seed was way back then. And, you know, just like when we're reading the Spider Man ones now Mm -hmm. on uh, Chronicles, you know, I like that because it, it gets my mind thinking. And it makes me enjoy the story and then how it turns out even better uh, to see that, you know, work its way through. Speaking of comic books, there's nothing like a well-constructed story that gets a satisfying conclusion because it takes time for it to build up. And when it does and those pieces are put together correctly, mm-hmm. and then it ends in a satisfying way that honors all of the buildup that occurred, there's nothing better. That is that is why comic books is the awesome medium that it is. I've decided I'm changing my vote to nine. Oh. <laughs> oh. So oh. what would your votes be of the of the series so far, of the first year of Transformers? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good one question. Hmm. I'll give it an eight. And I could give it. A- I could be easily convinced to give it a nine. They, man, watching the toy was it the toys that made us? Well, that was a series, right? Yeah. And hearing Bob Budiansky talk about how the heck he had to come up with these Transformers, basically, it's Overall. a weekend. Yeah, it's a week. Yeah, it's a weekend thing. Come up with personalities for just these toys based off of looking at them. <laughs> right. a story. Came up with the tech specs. He said based on the um, the complicated algorithm of figuring that a jet was faster than a Volkswagen Beetle and trying to. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it is insane what he had to do. I don't know if stories are written or created that way now, but the amount of creative power and things they had to do. And if you look at some of the obstacles between the artwork and everything that had to be overcome, I'll, I'll leave it at eight, but it dang well could be a nine. Uh, Bob Budiansky deserves one hell of a lot of credit for putting out the work that he put out. I, You know, I agree with the eight. Would I go higher? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't have all that bigger background like you guys do. So right now, it's an eight. I have been uh, definitely interested in reading more and more as we go here. So it's definitely done its job and captured me in. John, you want to answer your own question? I will also give it an eight. On the right day, I might bump it a little higher than that, especially considering the achievement of it, of 12 issues of solid stories based on toys. Yeah, they had a lot of comics based on toys at this time, and not too many of them stayed around. 
It's a solid start. It's been really fun to reread it again, and I'm going to be interested to compare it to it in another year. We can and will never leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight. He discusses a particular Transformer which was featured in today's issue. All yours, John. Today we're talking about the one, the only Optimus Prime. Since 1984, Optimus Prime has received the largest number of toys for any single Transformers character. He's arguably the most popular Transformers. We're going to talk about the original one here, because that was the one that was out when this comic was. Now, the original Optimus Prime toy started its life as the Diaclone Toy Battle Convoy. It was created by a team of Takara designers who came on board when the original designer fell behind in his design, and so they brought these people in. And what a toy they made. The toy transforms into two major components, the first being a red and blue white freighter WFT-8664T cabover semi-trailer truck, partially composed of die-cast metal, and the second component being a large silver trailer. Now, the cab transforms into the robot mode of Optimus Prime, with the addition of a pair of removable blue fists that plug into his headlight. Now, the fists themselves do not store anywhere in vehicle mode, but then you'd put them in his chest compartment, which they fit nicely in there. Originally, those were designed to accommodate the little driver figures for the diaclone. In Japan, they were all of these were mechs that were piloted, so you see a lot of that. Both in this and in the trailer bit, which we'll talk about in a second, you see a lot of stuff that was originally designed for little people that would come with it. Prime is uh, armed with a black laser rifle that almost fit in the holes that bore fist, but he couldn't hold it straight, and he had to put it in a certain way. And if you if you breathed on it wrong, it would tip off to the side, but who cares? He's still awesome. Um, now, Prime's trailer was where all the fun happened. It was also the most evidence of its piloted mech origins. It opened up into a command deck, which contained the scout drone roller. And the interior of the combat deck featured three pegs that you could hang the laser rifle, and then there was a fuel pump and nozzle accessories, so you could gas roller up or Prime's cab if you wanted to, or other Autobots you'd bring up in there. There were seating for two drivers that are still there, even though there's no more drivers. Um, as a central feature, the combat deck features a missile-armed repair drone pod mounted upon a boom lift arm, which features another cockpit for a driver. Um, in the base of the boom arm was a spring-loaded launcher that could launch Roller out of the command deck. Uh, Roller himself had uh, seating for four Diaclone passengers and featured a port that could accommodate either Prime's rifle or the fuel pump and the interior space of the trailer allowed storage room for one standard Autobot car, which could also be shot forward by the launcher. This toy was amazing. And it is interesting, though, how much of an aspect of the toy is completely ignored in both the cartoon and the comic book. He doesn't open his trailer up ever and have those things. I mean, Roller shows up occasionally, but other than that, and as designed, as we'll see in a sec, it was meant to be much more of a part to the whole. Here is what his card said. Optimus Prime's allegiance was an Autobot. His function was commander. His motto is, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Optimus Prime is the largest, strongest, and wisest of all Autobots. I'm not sure if any of those three things are true. Uh, <laughs> he feels his role is the protection of all life, including Earth life. 
Uh, he fights increasingly to defeat the Decepticons. Oh, he fights unceasingly, I should say, to defeat the Decepticons. Splits into three autonomous modules. Number one, Optimus Prime, who's the brain center known as the Commander. That would be the Optimus Prime toy. There's Roller, the Autobot Scout car, which is a spy who operates up to 1,200 miles away. And the Autobot Headquarters, the combat deck equipped with a versatile mechanic artillery robot. Injury to one module is felt by the other two. His strength is 10. His intelligence is 10. His speed is 8. His endurance is 10. Rank 10. Courage 10. Firepower 8. And skill 10. So basically, he's good. He's pretty great, yeah. When I was getting stuff together about Prime, I, I saw on uh, tfwiki.net, and thanks to those guys, by the way, as well as friends of the show, tfu.info, for most of this information that I got here. But I saw the quote uh, under there. I was put a joke quote underneath the picture on one side, and it says, I'm the guy that everyone remembers. No, not the tape guy, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, Prime's an icon. We, yeah. We've talked about this before. Prime wouldn't be Prime without Peter Cullen's amazing voice talents that plus the design part superman part john wayne part abraham lincoln rolled together he's one of those lightning in a bottle characters that's just memorable and perfect i don't even think hasbro knew what they had with this or they probably wouldn't have gone the way they did in the animated movie in most uh, continuities optimus prime began life as orion pax in different stories, he gains the mantle of Optimus Prime for different reasons, usually involving the Matrix of Leadership. Uh, this does not seem to be the case in the Marvel continuity, as they do a few dips into the past here and there, and it's always been Optimus Prime whenever they're telling a past story. The thing about him I always liked, you know, even as a kid, and it's been resonated with me a lot more as an, a, as an adult and a parent, it's, there is the gentleness that comes through. I mean, sure, he's a badass fighter and he can punch out Soundwave in one shot and toss Soundwave around and slap things, but a human in the same hands that are doing that would be completely safe. I mean, we are a completely, from his perspective, we're a completely foreign life form, just completely almost incomprehensible, and yet he would defend any one of us with his life. And there's something pretty cool about that. And that is Optimus Prime, guys. He's a gentle giant. Absolutely. But oh, he, yeah. he will blow you up. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a bad robot, like, you know, like Ravage or something, he'll, he'll put boot in your butt, too. <laughs> All right. Let's go to a promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hey, everybody. Clinton Robinson here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap and got stuck down here with no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service, so I decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. <laughs> hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays. 
a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. We now return to the Transformers. That is the show. I think before we go, why don't we just give some big thanks to all the listeners for listening for the last, well, this will be the 12th episode. So we appreciate it very much, all the support you have given us. So really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. It is great. We And I look forward to having a similar conversation like this in another 12 issues. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. And this started from a, a Facebook post, of all things. And <laughs> it, it really, we mentioned at the start of the show, but it's worth mentioning it again. It, it has grown in, into something pretty special. And I, I, I do a few podcasts along the, pro, the Long Boss Crusade, and this is the one that I host. So I definitely take... Uh, a special pride in hearing uh, the show when it comes out. I was nervous as heck to start uh, hosting uh, when we began. I always still have a small bit of, of nervousness, but uh, John and Pat both make it uh, super easy for me, and and we've turned this into a a, a pretty fun thing. And it's definitely something I, I look forward uh, to uh, personally, and it's something I look forward to recording because I can't wait to see how everyone responds to it, too. Mm-hmm. And also, it's been really great for me to get to know the two of you better. I mean, I didn't really... I didn't know you guys at all before that one Facebook thing, and it's like, let's just jump right into a show barely knowing each other and see how that goes. And yep. pretty well, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, it, it turned out good. I, I definitely want to thank you guys for taking me on this journey and helping me along learning more about the Transformers because it is something I look forward to reading and finding out more and knowing that I have two great experts to bounce things off of. So with that, that is the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 13 with a special guest. Ooh, we will ooh. be visiting by none other yeah. than Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. Uh-oh. the yard sale artist. <laughs> and what should be a heck of a lot of fun and a heck of an offbeat issue featuring the return of Megatron. It's a different sort of story. I'm looking forward to revisiting it. I have not read it in years. Me neither. Well, if it's so. offbeat, Jared's going to like it probably. Yeah. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Google Play, and Podcatchers to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Longbox Crusade. And we have a Patreon feed as well. Look up Longbox Crusade, of which now I'd like to take uh, time to just give a special thank you to all of our Crusaders Club members. You can also email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. John, why don't you tell us about your podcast and where you can be found? All right. You can check out the Rod Pod, where my wife Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order, and also Married with Comics, where my wife Maggie and I talk about uh, whatever we want to, comics or otherwise. Uh, You can find both of these things under Married with Comics um, and all your usual podcast places, on Twitter, where uh, I am at MWC underscore podcast. Uh, my wife is at Maggie and the Rain. And if you want to send us an email, it's uh, marriedwcomics at gmail.com. What about you, Pat? Where can we find you? You were holding hands. <laughs> and Every time you say that, I just. 
And I just oh, I keep man. going back to that all the time now. <laughs> Oh, now that's going to run through my head every time I see There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good. See, that's. Oh. Uh, we take eight when I do the bit on the other show. I'll, yeah. I'll still remember it. Why are you like, laughing? Ah, Why are you laughing, John? Because <laughs> Pat Sampson is funny and irritating. See, now I got to go on. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> John, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at. Christatos01. Delvin, where can they find you? On Twitter at DEE underscore RAY1977. Thanks for joining us for this first year. Please come back for the start of year two. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. 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 I get it now. I get it. Yes. Happy anniversary, guys. Yep. Happy anniversary. anniversary. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. streets break the rules take the heat you're nobody's fool you're at your best when the going gets rough you've been put to the test but it's never enough you got the touch you got the power when all hell's breaking loose you'll be riding the You got the heart You got the motion You know that when things get too tough You got the touch All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. It takes your fighter. I learned Jason can move around all of your stuff very quickly when you're not here. Devin laughs. No, you. No, you. So it's like (laughs) I've learned Jason can move around all your stuff very quickly when you're not here, Delvin. Then you laugh. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not good with scripts. In a world where blah 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 blah, transformers more than me Okay. He took out. The Decepticon contingent basically singing hand. I, I gotta kill the cat. Meow. What's it with cats and podcasting? Knocked down my Millennium Falcon. Oh no. Oh. It's our anniversary.
in the rain. <laughs> oh my goodness. To all are one. <laughs> <sighs>